0: Near-Death Experience Podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chas Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach Us About Life on the Other Side. Today we're going to share the experience of Alejandro from Enderf.org, the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. So Alejandro says, when I was eight years old, my parents decided to have some blood tests done on me to see if I was ill. We went to a clinic near our home, and after they took my blood, I passed out due to low blood pressure, according to the doctors who attended me. After a certain time went by, I lost consciousness, but the magnificent thing was that during my during that period of unconsciousness, I entered into an arc of light. It was like traveling through thousands of luminous arcs, extremely beautiful. Their radiance seemed to increase during the time I traveled through them. The landscape was illusory. It was a true delight to see that world. Everybody there was young. There were all races present, including some that had had orange skin, the color of bronze, But seeing those people wasn't the most surprising thing. Rather, it was that their bodies seemed to be made of porcelain. Not because of the color, but because their skin was so soft and smooth. I remember this because my grandma had some small statues made of a material that was similar. But the people there even seemed to have a subtle shining light around them. One person who looked like a woman of medium height asked me what I was doing there. I answered that I didn't know, that I had suddenly appeared there from among some immense bushes as the pathway opened to me while trying to get to where I had heard these voices. At that point, with great delicacy and tenderness, she told me, You don't belong in this wor- to this world. At the time you have chosen, you will come here like everyone else. We'll take care of this with the gentleman you see standing over there. She pointed with her finger towards some men whose faces I could see. There were three of them. The three had an M carved on their belts, and there were symbols on their ivory clothing that I could not understand. From among them emerged a woman with impressive beauty. She shone with a unique resplendence. She was different from the others. She seemed to understand with a glance what had happened and what was going on here. She was indescribable, truly indescribable. Even today I can, I can remember the quantity of lights that were given off by her clothing Recollecting it well, the difference between the clothing of the others was that they were very light with pastel colors, while her clothing gave off sparks. It was as if the sparks were sustained in the air with lights made up of thousands of colors around her. Little by little, she approached us. She was about seven meters from us, or from where I was with the other person. She wore a jet-black gown that contrasted with the garments of everyone else. It was a long gown, like the ones worn by royalty during the 14th or 15th century. When she got closer, I could see that her gown shone with a special light. It was like black light. Her gown, seen closer, wasn't made of cloth. It seemed to be made of energy, something very special. When she got right to where we were, I could see that her garment or gown was made of thousands of tiny universes or galaxies that got lost in the darkness of the black space of her garment. I think this is going to sound very crazy, but that's how it was made. It was as if thousands of universes or galaxies were revolving and revolving around themselves, they revolved around themselves and at the same time a brilliant light emanated from the breast of that person. Her hair was the color of silver and she had extremely large blue gray eyes and an extremely tender countenance. She didn't give the least sign of being angry. She moved as if floating and when she got to where we were she raised her hand in greeting. She didn't speak. She seemed to express herself mentally. Everything arrived in my mind clearly, and I only remember her saying, Little mortal, what are you doing in this place? You have commitments to keep in the worlds of time and space. I didn't know what to say. She was extremely beautiful. She seemed to know everything, and this was infused into me. Everyone knew her and seemed to adore her, or rather, love her. I was paralyzed, completely paralyzed. I didn't know what to say. She looked at me with much tenderness, and taking one of her arms from the, out of the folds of her clothing, which were more like strands of energy, she touched my shoulder and said, "'Come. It is the will of the highest that, for some reason, you have come temporarily to this place.' Let's find out why. I asked her, Who are you, and what will happen to me? To which she replied, Don't be afraid, my son. Someday you will return to this place, and you, as millions of others of this and other dominions, will begin a journey to know the person who has given you the gift of having your own personality. Who is it? I asked. She answered, you won't understand yet, but I can tell you it is he who sustains us with a thought, he who gives light to the sons that they may sustain all created by and in himself. For my part, I didn't say anything. It is only now as an adult that I believe I understand that situation a bit more. I didn't notice that time transpired. We were in what seemed like an enormous meadow with immense green fields. The colors above all else seemed infused with light and gave them even an even stronger hue. There was no sun. I looked everywhere, but the light seemed to emanate from somewhere or, more accurately, from everywhere. By taking the being's hand, we arrived at a type of crystal structure. It was made totally of crystal. When I saw it, I thought touching it would break it because it was a very thin crystal. When we entered, I could see that the room didn't have brick walls. They seemed constructed of energy or a type of gelatin as shown. They were translucent, and I could see through the walls. Inside these walls were other people. They all looked to be adolescents gathered at a round table with one of the beings, with the letter M, teaching them something. Everybody we ran into in the passage or corridors were very young people. They seemed to know the person who was leading me by the hand. They all greeted her, and I remember that they said to her, "Glory to the highest who will give and or who gave and gives your morning stars." She responded with a bow. As we were about to arrive at an enormous door, we stopped, and she said, "By the will of the Lord, we desire to know." And the door's automatically opened. These doors were also made of energy that looked like gelatin, but they shone brightly. They were the color of a blue sky. I touched one of the doors with my hand, and a slight shiver went through my body. When I looked at my hand, I wasn't prepared to see through it. I remember that this surprised me so much that I released the hand of the person who was taking me. She immediately touched my head, as if caressing me, and I felt an enormous peace and comfort. I felt a gentle warmth and peace, much peace. We went through the door and there appeared an enormous mirror, very large. Just as we went through the entry, I could see thousands of lights, millions of stars, It was as if they were suspended in space. When the door closed after us, the enclosure remained sealed and the lights began to shine more. Everything seemed to move. I could see that the person who had my hand began to shine more with enormous intensity. The black light I had described she had at the beginning began transforming itself into white light an enormous white light, and emanated from her breast and seemed to communicate with all the other lights. I could only hear whispers until a strong, clear voice said with seriousness, The small mortal belongs to a mixture of the blue race and the bronze race and belongs to the universe of things created by Michael de Salgton. He should return. At that moment, the person who held my hand said to me, At some point in your future, you will see us here again. Nothing is re- revealed about your strange appearance in this place. We anxiously await the time when you will be embraced by or with love by your interior light. Return to your birth world. At the moment these words were uttered, I was absorbed by one of the lights and I felt that I fell into a kind of void. All the lights shone with such an intensity that everything was white, brilliantly white, until I arrived at the place where I awoke. When I came to, I saw my mother at my side. I didn't know what had happened. I only felt my mouth was dry and was very thirsty. When I recuperated, about thirty minutes later... We left the hospital, and I didn't tell anyone what had happened, for fear they would think me crazy, and that they would make me undergo some painful examination. Now, after, three, or after years and, uh, and reflection, I know that what happened was real, and I anxiously await the day when my internal light will embrace me and carry me back there once again, but this time I think, on a journey of no return." That is the end of Alejandro's experience, and this experience took place in 1984. Um, and uh, there are lots of things I find so interesting in this in this uh, experience. Um, first off, the moment he loses consciousness, he it, finds himself entering a arc of light. And then he says it was like traveling through thousands of luminous arcs. Extremely beautiful. That's an interesting description for the tunnel, if you can call it the tunnel, the passageway that uh, leads to the other side. Very unique uh, description. Then he describes the landscape as illusory. I gather that to, to mean kind of ethereal or or very um, visually, you know, sensational, I guess you could say. And and he's, he sees all these people there, they're all young, either um, adolescent to uh, to um, prime, I gather, from what he's saying. He says that there are all pra- uh, all races there, including some that we don't know here. He describes one that is the color of bronze, um, orange skin, as he also puts it, and says that their skin was so soft and smooth that it reminded him of the uh, small statues that his grandma had. And then he describes a woman coming to him and kind of asking, what are you doing here? And, And saying, you don't belong here, very kindly, very lovingly. But you don't belong here, you know. You've... And, and he, he's like, well, I don't know. I just came up through these bushes. And I, that's, and I imagine that those bushes were just what he came through at the end of the tunnel of arcs, if, if I'm not misunderstanding this. Um, but then she points him to some gentlemen standing there who have belts with an m carved on them. Not sure what the M stands for. Never heard of anything like this particular before, like having some kind of tour guide or maybe some kind of, you know, assistant or whatever. You know, you hear a lot about people having a spirit guide or a, a you know, guardian angel at their side, something to that effect. But this, people these people in i imagine some kind of uniform or at least a belt with an m carved in it It stands for something but apparently she doesn't end up communicating with them at all because from among them comes this beautiful woman who he says is absolutely indescribable Um, beautiful and emanating these sparks everyone else is emanating light but it's like her light is so intense that there's sparks coming out of it. And she's wearing a black gown of some sort. She says jet black gown, which is interesting. This is a uh, type of clothing I have not heard described. I I have heard of clothing um, one woman described, um, a woman who everyone was calling mother, Um. Who had a beautiful gown that had, if I remember right, it it was like seahorses or something that seemed to be um, made of energy and and um, they were almost um, physically independent of the dress, but but part of it too, kind of as this kind of sounds like with these. Uh, universes or galaxies that are in the blackness like which seems to be uh, reflecting of space like the blackness is is space itself the universe and these galaxies in the dress are like the universe, you know, the physical universe within it. Um, I, I can't imagine what that would really look and feel like to see But it's very interesting as far as clothing, cloth, and so forth uh, is concerned. And, you know, as he says, it's indescribable. You know, these things don't translate in the physical very well or very clearly. But either way, it sounds fascinating. And um, he seems to kind of get lost in this description for a bit of this gown and, and... the energy that's emanating from it. But um, she finally reaches him, and then, in just very kind, but sounds very authoritative to me, she says, little mortal, what are you doing in this place? You have commitments to keep in the worlds of time and space. And he's he's just... I, I just imagine his jaw you know, laying on the floor (laughs) as he's like, I don't know what to say. (laughs) You know, he's just, he's just in shock at her glory, at her majesty, I guess, and beauty and and all this. And the fact that uh, she addresses him as, don't be afraid, my son, makes me think again of of other experiences where there is a mother figure, there um, that they are speaking with, uh, uh, and and I think it's fair to describe them as as glorious and godlike, um, which is interesting because you know there's this whole um, emphasis in in the Christian world of the divine feminine as well as in in many other uh, Eastern traditions and so forth. And I don't know exactly what is meant by the divine feminine, but I do think that it's very clear from near-death experiences that there are divine women, divine goddesses, if you will. Um, So, anyway... That, that seems to be what, uh, what he's experiencing with this incredible woman. And uh, then this gets kind of interesting. She, she says um, that, you know, it is, it's the will of the highest that for some reason you have come temporarily to this place. Let's go find out why. And then she goes to, with him to this place and seems to give some sort of password, if you will, um, because she arrives at uh, a, a crystal structure. And I'm trying to glance through this to see what kind of structure we're talking about. It's, it's very unclear, other than it seems to be made of crystal. It says there, um, let's see, it's in this enormous meadow with in, immense green fields, the colors above all seemed infused with light It gave them an even stronger hue. Um, I looked everywhere, but the light seemed to emanate from somewhere, or more accurately, from everywhere. And then by taking the being's hand, we arrived at a type of crystal structure. You know, is this a giant rock uh, crystal? Or is this a crystal building? I don't know. He does say that it was made totally of crystal. And he thought that touching it would break it because the, it was a very thin crystal. Something, you know, I'm picturing paper-thin crystals. Just, just, I mean, sounds beautiful. But um, he does say, when we entered, I could see that the rooms didn't have brick walls. And they seemed to be constructed of an energy of, or a type of gelatin that shone. I love that description. It's it's a beautiful description. Fascinating and strange to be sure. But um, where's the part that she gave the, there it is. Okay. um, So further in, okay, everybody we ran into in the passages or corridors were very young people. So this is apparently some kind of building or something because there are Passages, corridors, and doors. And then um, they seem to know the woman that he's with. They all greeted her. And I remember that they said to her, Glory to the highest who gave and gives your morning stars. Very interesting, interesting greeting. Okay, and she responds with a bow, so I'm kind of respectful. Okay, now, so now she gets to this enormous door, or they get to this enormous door, the two, maybe more. Maybe I'm under the impression that the original woman stayed behind. Um, But these two get to the door. And she says, by the will of the Lord, we desire to know. And the doors automatically opened. That's kind of cool. I don't know what it is about that. That's just cool to me. You know, this some kind of divine password to get in. And uh, again, he uses the word gelatin to describe the walls. So the doors were also made of an energy that looked like gelatin, but they shone brightly. I'm trying to imagine a clear gelatin that is glowing, and what would that be like? It makes me wonder if there was a texture about them that was gelatin-like. I I, I don't know. Who knows? But he does say that they're the color of blue sky, which is so cool. That's just so cool. And when he touches... One of the doors, with his hand, a slight shiver, he says, went through my body. When I looked at my hand, I wasn't prepared to see through it. And I'm not clear if this is the first time that he's actually looked at his hand. and That's why he hasn't noticed up to this point that he's clear, or if something about touching the door caused him to become transparent or translucent to some extent. Um, but then the woman touches him on the face. Let's see. Touch, touched him on the head. I'm sorry. As if caressing me. And I felt an enormous peace and comfort. So, you know, seeing through himself. He's like, ah. And then she calms him by touching him. And he says, I felt a gentle warmth and peace. Much peace. Then they go through this door. And there's an enormous mirror. Very large. And again, he never uses the word building and this seems to be something on the other side people describe it was like an enormous room but there were no walls i'm like would something without walls even feel like a room but apparently it does and this may have been that kind of a situation or it may have been something different entirely and then what I consider the oddest part of the entire thing, you know, as strange as it was encountering blue and copper orange persons, they come across now um, some other, well, other people, I guess, other Uh, beings. Let me just read this part again for a moment. That black light I described she had at the beginning began to transform itself into white light, an enormous white light, and emanated from her breast and seemed to communicate with all the other lights. So there's like other lights here. Are they like other people that are lights? It's unclear. But She's or he says that I could only hear whispers until a very strong, clear voice said with seriousness, "The small mortal belongs to a mixture of the blue race and the bronze race, and belongs to the universe of things created by Michael de Salgton. He should return." And then, at that moment, uh, um, she says, "You know, basically, you'll be back," and and then. Um, is, is sent back to his body. But w- what is this about the small mortal being uh, belongs to a mixture of the blue race and the bronze race? I have no idea what that's talking about. No idea. And belongs to the universe created by Michael de um, I I looked it up. I looked up that name. And it only refers to this website. Now, there may be other sources that are behind, you know, uh, encryption or something that has that name. I've never heard of it. But Michael, who often is, uh, is said to be Adam, um, I mean, if, if that's who the Michael is, is referring to, belongs to the universe of things created by Michael, or Adam, the Salgton—I I don't know. I don't know what this Salgton is. It sounds like of Salgton. I don't know what Salgton is. No idea. But very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> and then, at the next moment, um, she, uh, the woman at his side, says, "At some point in your future, you will see us here again." Nothing is revealed about your strange appearance in this place. Basically, they don't know why he's there. It's what it sounds like, about your strange appearance in this place. So, <laughs> it's almost as if, you know, I, I, I'm left to think that may, from this that maybe not all near-death experiences were intentional. I mean, it seems weird to say that heaven has accidents, so to speak, but I, I wouldn't call it heaven having an accident when it was the guy that had the accident, the mortal person that had an accident, and uh, that propelled him to heaven. And, you know, everybody seems to be saying, why are you here? You know, why, as if they know him and, and know that he's not supposed to be here yet. And that seems to be the case. Nothing's revealed, so we got to send you back, basically. Um, and in fact whoever these lights or whatever that this glorious woman is is um uh addressing you know she doesn't seem to know why he's there she says let's go inquire and and they say he needs to return but of course says it in uh, the strangest explanation about a blue race and bronze race and and belongs to the universe created by Michael DeSaucton. I I don't know what that is, but, um, very interesting, very interesting. And then, uh, in a, um, in a moment, those words are absorbed by one of the lights and he feel falls into kind of a void uh, where, um, all the lights shine with such intensity that everything was white, brilliantly white, until I arrived at the place where I awoke. And then he's, you know, thirsty and wants a drink of water. He's, he's up, getting up. Ah, interesting, interesting. What, what do you make of it? I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, any of those aspects that I'm not familiar with if, if any of you are familiar with them or if they sound familiar in some way I'd love to hear your take on it um, yeah so if you'd like to contact the podcast either to uh, contact me or John um, you can contact me at chaz at ndepodcast.org you can email John at john at ndepodcast.org or you can just email the podcast in general if you have your own experience to share, near-death-experience-podcast at gmail.com. You can also become an ongoing monthly contributor to the podcast by going to patreon.com slash ndecast. So, with that, thank you, you guys, so much again for listening.